0: Welcome to Able Active Moms. Jeremy Brown and his guests are here to help the struggling moms better understand and manage their time for personal health. Now here's Jeremy.
1: Hi, and welcome back again this week to Able and Active Moms, a resource for all of you out there looking to find better balance in your life and include fitness and wellness in that. Uh, Today, I am so happy to have with me... uh, DeMera Murphy, the unnesting mom. Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. Um we are going to talk about um some a topic that I I really wanted to get into because um physical fitness in my opinion is just part of like a wellness um pers- a whole whole wellness perspective, like a holistic wellness perspective and for anyone it's easy to start to drop pieces of of a holistic wellness you know you start to lose sleep you aren't paying good attention to your stress and mental habits and you start to let physical fitness kind of fall off the map and so and that especially applies to mothers as now you're balancing this whole new crazy schedule in with rest of your life and so i really want to talk about how how in the world do you make that work and clearly that's not my um it's not my story so we have damar here and she's going to tell us her story and talk about um her brand and how it was born and what she does to help others because i think what she's offering is fantastic so the unnesting mom when did your story start how did this how did this how did this concept get birthed
2: pancakes (laughs) Um, we have four (laughs) i'm a mindset and habits coach and the way that my my branding got started was pancakes we have four children and upon the third birth of our daughter I'm sitting there, I'm healing and she is nocturnal. She has been nocturnal. Now it was going on three months. Everyone said it would get better. It was not, but I was still trying to show up for my family and my son comes in bright eyed and he's like, can I have chocolate chip pancakes? And I do like the whole holistic thing. So they're normally, um, you know, made from scratch. And I just thought like there, I, I know I just finally acknowledged that I felt overwhelmed, um, that I did not feel like myself and that I was doing entirely too much. And so as our fourth child was being born, I decided that I would shift a little bit and make sure that I prioritize myself. And as my husband noticed, he goes. You haven't really prepared for for this baby. um you're not nesting as they say you're unnesting. And I'm like, you're right. I am unnesting because in order for me to show up for this child in a way that I need to, I need to do better at being better to myself.
1: That's lovely. i I love the kind of mental image of unnesting and you know, that nesting is like gathering all these little bits of things and like, tufting them together and trying to create this like perfect little environment by all these little bits of things. And how do you like look at this jumbly mess of comfort perhaps, but like overwhelming and start to pick out things that I don't, I don't need, like, what do I really need here? Um, So, so that's your third child. Yeah. And you have four. Uh, So this was a long period of your life where you were, either pregnant or breastfeeding and just constantly dealing with children. Yeah.
2: Yes. A literal (laughs) decade. So I was nursing or breastfeeding for a literal decade. And what I found was that a lot of times moms are told to juggle everything or to find balance. But I found that balance meant that I still was holding everything I was still um, dictating, um, well, dictating isn't the best word, but I was still managing lots of things within our household. And so I decided that it just should be more harmonious. So I promoted the idea of community with our children. They don't necessarily do chores, but we live in a community. We respect our space. Um, And that has been very helpful that when we are together, we understand that we have a, a mutual respect from one another. So I also practice conscious parenting. So that has been very helpful with our children, because they can express themselves. And that means that um, we have conversations that move forward towards solution or understanding, um, and things that help to keep my mental space more at peace. Excellent. So And theirs
1: as well. Yeah. Well, that's great, right? Because you want, you, you do, if you're, if your household's all agitated and unharmonious, it's not a great environment for them to develop in. Um, And that doesn't teach them good habits. So uh, conscious parenting, can we, can we dig a little deeper into that? What is the, what, what are the, the, what's the philosophy behind that?
2: Uh, Conscious parenting is similar to the other terms, gentle parenting, mindfulness parenting. It just basically means that there is less authoritative parenting that is going on. It's it's not necessarily do as I say. Obviously, you have emergency situations, but in your normal day to day, you are teaching your kids to be emotionally intelligent so that they understand how they feel, um, that they also can self-regulate. So in our house, we do yoga, mindfulness, growth mindset, reflections, all types of activities that help with their emotional intelligence. So if they can tell me how they feel in a safe space, then it helps me and my husband to be able to address it in a... um, in a way that will help to move them forward emotionally and for them to feel safe and for it to be a resolve to, if it's a specific issue, we also teach a mutual respect. So the way that they speak to each other, the way that they uh, interact with each other and making sure that everyone spends quality time with one another.
1: So you're raising healthy little humans that don't act out because potentially often kids act out because they don't, understand how to communicate what they want or what they need or what they're feeling and so they just communicate the only way know how and then things escalate and all of a sudden there's nothing positive happening not for anyone <laughs> um it's lovely
2: uh, it depends on the child so <laughs> developmentally the four-year-old of course, he's going to maybe have a meltdown. It's developmentally appropriate, but he also has tools. He'll naturally start breathing um, different breath work on his own. And that lets me know that he needs a minute.
1: (laughs) Oh, so yeah, everybody steps back, takes a moment. Um, Circling back a little bit, you mentioned balance. And, And when I was trying to Put in a title for the show and put in a description for the show. I found it challenging because uh, I was, tr- you know, something simple and short and to the point. And you mentioned balance isn't about trying to balance everything that you maybe think you need to balance. It's about figuring out what's important and where to fit that in, maybe is more the point. Yes.
2: Yes, um, I definitely would say that that's the case because things that seem like a priority, like keeping track of laundry, um, if the if I always suggest to clients, everything does not have to be financial. If you can afford to have someone come clean your house if, um, once a month for like a deep clean, or if you can take the laundry out, just find a way to manage the day. So I do a lot of my beginning of the day begins before the kids even wake up. I look at my calendar, I write down kind of hourly what I would like to do. And then I prioritize what's important. So normally, I have like the top three things that I want to accomplish for the day. Uh, the, and if it's just the top two, or I get to the top one, that's fine. But it gives me a start to where I'm going to begin my day. So I have an idea before I start and then I do mindfulness before I wake up and I try to at least make sure I'm looking at the calendar, not like it's a taskmaster, but just to make sure that I accomplish the goals for the day. Yeah. Yeah. You
1: have to go in with some sort of plan and stay focused slightly. Right. But it's about finding out creating priorities and then creating commitments is something that you seem to be really uh into which is fantastic um so the 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 pancake day um when you realized that this wasn't all working and that you had to make some changes and sh- and shift um what were you missing out for yourself like what did what things as you went through this journey what did you find that you needed to Prioritize and commit to for yourself that was lacking?
2: I think one of the main things as a new mother or a mother who is more physically attached to the home due to something like nursing, I was missing the essence of myself. Before you're a mom, people call you by your name. It became where if someone's like, Oh, how are you? How are you doing? I didn't really have much to say except for what I was going through with the kids or how they were doing like it kind of felt like my life was kind of at a halt or a standstill so that was the beginning of what was my work was to find my own joy and it started with going out with friends book clubs different things of that nature but then I would come back and the house was a mess or the expectations that I had were not being met. So, so one of the key things that I had to do was also relinquish control. If my husband, if you know, if they create pillow forts and he washes uh, dishes after dinner, that is perfectly fine. That is his way of doing things. Close blind eye until until it's done. He understands I know that he'll do it. So just relinquishing control in that way and then finding other ways. I knew that something internal had to change because doing the external external things was not really pushing my joy to the forefront. And I feel like happiness is a birthright.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And a decade is a long time to go without internal joy and happiness. That's that's like some sort of prison term that you're living through and that's not the way that motherhood should be it should I mean hopefully there's some joy in it and gratefulness in it every day though I I mean I can understand the challenges of that um, or hear the challenges of it um I guess so you know you have to let go of things right to find space and time to have other things that help to build this um this inner peace and inner joy and so then you're talking about kind of shifting habits or shifting values, right? And so how do we get burdened with these things in the first place? how did how do we get how do we feel that these habits and these expectations are put upon us?
2: I think there's two areas. I would say the first would be societal expectations. so there's the expectation typically of a traditional family if you have a partner where husband and wife and husband has a certain role of the financial burden or the financial um, expectations to take care of a household and then a mother especially a stay-at-home mother like I was for so many years has the expectation of managing everything household um, as she smiles and heals so um, (laughs) I think that would be the first area where this develops and I would say the second would probably be uh self-inflicted that the expectation is internalized based on experience so that is what typically is shown to us on tv we internalize it we try it um, or that's what we saw our parents do and i believe that the best work that i've seen for myself and clients is to really delve into how do we become who we are meaning the the internal starting essentially with childhood
1: absolutely right um I think this work is absolutely valuable and necessary for everyone because everyone has mm, some sort of picture or 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 structure of of who they are and they built in all of these um ideas and values and habits and we just take so much of that for granted that once we've we've made this sort of this picture of ourselves and all these things are built in that they have to stay there and that they are of value and they are necessary and and a lot of times they they aren't that they like you said they they were things that were put into this picture of who we are by society or by things we took in and imprinted on ourselves and then they weigh us down, and they take a lot of our time and energy that could be better spent other places. Um, yeah, you made a wonderful comment in one of your uh, really funny in one of your Instagram posts, and it said to lower expectations, right? I love that., <laughs> yeah, right thanks.
2: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I definitely think lower expectations would help the mental state. Not that the quality of what you do goes down, but we just cannot humanly do everything. Um, and we will reach our mental capacity if we don't lower our expectations for what we have for ourselves. Kids are kids, the expectations that we have on them and the expectations that we have for others.
1: Yeah, I I love language. That's one of my Big things, especially with exercise, because I think the way you talk about fitness and health and the way you hear people talking about fitness and health and the way you try to shift perspective can have and shift language can can matter so much, you know, just shifting toward a more positive language versus negative language. And all I mean by that is that I think there's something that I like that you also break down what words mean, like expectations are different than standards. We're not talking about lowering standards, we're talking about lowering expectations. And standards are different than boundaries. And, and those words all mean different things, and it's important to understand and to maybe unpack for yourself what habits, what life, what what things you have in your life that are expectations and what are standards and what are boundaries and where do you draw the line for all of these things. and Um, And how does that help you be a more healthy human, a more healthy person? I love that you separate those things.
2: Thank you. Um, I would say that standards are the things that matter. It's the way that you would like things done, but it could be balanced with your expectations of how they're accomplished, when they're accomplished. And then boundaries, I could talk about all day. I talk about how boundaries, no, is a complete sentence. I think a lot of times we end up trying to over-explain ourselves, and the boundaries are there to protect us.
1: Wonderful. Actually, we are going to talk about boundaries all day. Or we're going to talk about boundaries a lot, because I think that's fantastic. Absolutely. like We have to have boundaries, because otherwise you're not protecting yourself. And if you're not, then you don't have anything to give back out, right? You're not about, you're not about blocking yourself off from life. You're about, you are all about creating a space where you have more to give to life, which is I think really beautiful. So we're going to take a quick break. Um, and when we come back, we're going to break down again, kind of the standards versus boundaries and different types of boundaries and why they are so massively important. Um, so keep listening. We'll be right back
3: move ed is a new exercise system developed from the latest in science and designed to help you feel your body in a whole new way offering free online videos live online exercise classes, and wellness tips and ideas on social media. Move Ed has options to help everyone feel and move better. Check us out today and start your new journey into physical health. your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: Welcome back to Able Active Moms. Have a question for Jeremy or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back. Thank you for listening in to this episode of Able Act Moms. Today we have with us Demera Murphy, the unnesting mom who um, helps people, She's a life coach who helps people to um, prioritize their lives so that they can have better value and better joy and spread better joy to those, to the rest of the people and loved ones in their life. Thank you again for being here with me today
2: thank you again for having me this has
1: been fun excellent yeah I, I I I'm loving this actually I didn't quickly I didn't know how a podcast would go and I mean clearly it's hard to talk about exercise on a podcast and like what did I want to talk about when I want to talk about things well I really wanted to talk about this idea of um Fitness as part of a whole picture of like health and wellness and inspiring health and wellness and and i think today's topic is massive and that is you know how do you fit everything in and how do you make it all work and because it is certainly for anyone overwhelming to try to fit everything in it's impossible that's what we got to in the first part is it's impossible to fit everything in um you have to break down what you actually have to fit in um, what's really a value to fit in and a big part of deciding what you have to fit in and what can get cut out is creating boundaries for yourself because often we maybe make priorities that are based on other people's needs because we didn't have a good boundary for ourselves and so all of a sudden you're doing something someone else should do for themselves and then that's a that is then weighing on you. And then that's taking away from something you want to do. So boundaries, I love that you are into that. What talk to us all about boundaries.
2: I think it starts with what we talked about with standards, because standards are the qualities that are required before you accept something from someone else. So let's say it was dating. It could be that they must be, for example, gainfully employed, or they must be a, at least a decent human, meaning that they have a good moral compass. Those are standards. You decide who you accept into your, pers- into your space. So of course, in, I, in my opinion, this includes family members as well, where boundaries mm-hmm. are set up for ourselves as a way to measure what we are going to accept and it's a way of protecting us. So if in that, in another instance, my boundary around my children is that if I am, let's say it's sports, then it has to be a local team. If there's just two of us, if I chose to do AAU I I live in Texas. Texas is huge. I could be traveling one to three hours and everyone's in something. So my boundary around sports is that it must be a local team. So boundaries around parenting and mothering, Mm -hmm. we are a community. So my husband helps out where he can. I help out where we can. And we have a mutual respect when we're at capacity. And we're fortunate enough that if we need to, then we will have help or Uh, maybe call in a sitter or something of that nature, but I believe that boundaries are firm and it does not mean that someone has to respect them, but it does mean that you have to be firmer with your boundaries. So that that would just include a simple no. I think sometimes we talk our way out of our own boundaries when we start explaining ourselves and feeling like we have to give an explanation to why we're saying what we're saying.
1: Absolutely. Now, now you've made your boundaries sound like a negotiation or something that's for sale, right? Like, well, blah, blah, blah. uh, Yeah, no, I can't do that because of this. Well, now you've offered someone an opportunity to say, well, what if we remove that hurdle? Or what if no, 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 just no, let's just stop with no. Yeah, because these are non-negotiables.
2: Mm-hmm. Because, um, Think about if someone asks to borrow something, let's say they ask to borrow money. Of course, you feel kind of cruddy if you have it and you can't and you decide not to. However, if they have a history of not paying it back or that's allotted for something else, you c- could easily talk your way into giving that to a person who has clearly been irresponsible or with fitness. If I don't have a boundary around my time that between nine to 11 that I can be at the gym or we are fortunate enough here in Texas to have pretty good weather so I can at least get outside to do something, then that boundary eventually is going to become a habit because I have not made time to work out. So working out then doesn't become a priority like I would like it to be. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Right. We, that that's what helps us create a structure in our lives that lets us be, have balance and find joy and, and have calm. And um, I am particularly happy. I just love that you work fitness in as part of the whole picture and you do that for yourself and you do it as an example for your children and you encourage it in your children as well um, we are going to have a show later all about the value of um, child development and activity and how important that is and how much is, how inspiring it is for a lifetime of confidence in movement and competence in movement so that's wonderful i mean the like life cycle of being active is is massive i think it's massive and clearly you put value in that as, as does your husband
2: Yeah, um, just life experience. So I didn't grow up necessarily uh, with a healthy mindset around eating. My parents had Southern roots. My stepfather's from Louisiana and there was a lot of deep fried things. (laughs) So actually in college is when I started my health journey and I just made a promise to myself if I could lose this weight, which at that time was 60 pounds, I promised myself that I would never get that large again, because I could really feel the effects of it. And I was only 22, 21, 22. So i made it a priority. So I changed my lifestyle. I working out is a non-negotiable for me. So I typically work out at least four to five times a week, my eating. um, I don't believe in elimination. There's just certain things that I don't eat, but I do have a healthy pescatarian diet with the children, they don't know any different because that's the way that they've started off. So they like the diet because they don't know any better, um, but it's healthy and fulfilling. And then we try to do like outdoor um, activities. We have a pool, so we spend a lot of time there. And so I think they understand um, a lot because they do it a lot. My my nine-year-old and four-year-old were doing a workout routine yesterday. Nobody asked them to, I don't necessarily push group exercise or anything um like that towards them just learn t- just teaching them early how to be active
1: yeah and it becomes like fun and social and a form of play and so then when they're bored and they want to do something together well they just all of a sudden they're spontaneously exercising together but for them that's just like play time they're not having a workout session, the way that as adults, we try to like carve out time to fit into workout sessions. They're just looking for something fun to do.
2: Yeah. And with my daughter, when I started her first track meet, she realized that she wanted to work on something. So we've, uh, the only thing I focus on is just mental stamina, because I feel like with exercise from the adult standpoint, that set that you don't want to finish really more is in the mind than what you physically can do. So if you want to be faster, here are the things that your coach suggests. So she went ahead on her own initiative to do that. So I know that hopefully that should translate, as I'm saying with my older son, that is translating to being able to have that mindset and to include exercise or some type of physical activity to remain active.
1: Oh, and that's, I'll go right ahead.
2: No, I was just thinking with the school system, because they go to a traditional school, they are sitting at desks all day. There's movement breaks and different things of that nature. But I think incorporating an active lifestyle really helps to balance all that pent up energy that they have all day that they can't exert.
1: Yeah, yeah, because they have so much energy than we do. And you don't want them at home bouncing off walls. They need some way to get that, let that out in a healthy manner. Right. And that mindset you're talking about, like this, this focus, this mental focus you're talking about, that's applicable to so many other places in life. Right. That the same thing that you use to push to get you through that is the same thing you use to push to get you through a study session that you don't want to do either. Right. So there are really good habits we pick up in that that carry over into the rest of our lives or could carry over into the rest of our lives. Um, In fact, you also had something about, about stress, right? And you do yoga. Yes. I love that as well.
2: Yeah, I do a lot of yoga. (laughs) Um, I started yoga four years ago. It was during the pregnancy of my fourth child. um, Just because I've felt mentally exhausted just quite honestly I would call it a a pre-partum depression and I wanted to do something for my mindset I did not like the way that I was feeling just in in general so I would say that the reason why I have continued yoga and why yoga helped me at that time was just because it helped me to to be. I had never learned how to just sit still, not try to always problem solve, not always try to be what um, my husband calls the fairness police, and to just be and let life ebb and flow and that it'll be okay, and that today is enough, and you worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. So it has really helped with my mental stamina more than anything. Yeah,
1: wonderful. Yeah. Um, it can be very hard to just step back and let things be. And uh, but that's what I meant about like uh, things that we potentially learn in fitness. I guess we'd call yoga sort of fitness and health, but it's so much more broad spectrum than that because you learn meditation techniques and breathing techniques and mindful techniques that clearly carry over into your life and you can you even had a, a post about us s- stress and and what how you manage stress, right? Which was just like taking a step back, take a moment, and then you made a wonderful point, which was to do a body scan um and breathe. And and i keep i always try to to get into my clients how all of these things are linked our physical states and our emotional states and our mental states and our breath are all tied together and the more you can break each of those things or one of those things the easier it is to break the others like if you take a moment and you and you focus on each one separately they all start to unravel from each other maybe
2: Yes. And I think that goes back to the exercise component, because exercise helps to alleviate stress by releasing certain chemicals into our bodies. Also, it helps to keep the heart rate down. And then in moments of stress, I don't think sometimes we connect it to the physical you know you're feeling something and the first thing to do is to acknowledge that not to ignore it and then i think one of the most helpful ways to do that instantly is a body scan people including myself might not notice that your jaw has become clenched or your body feels tight those type of things and and that reaction what that does onto the body
1: yeah because if you that tension also makes our the tension in your body makes our mental state more tense and then you're more reactive and so if you can start to relax your body you just have a more clear picture of how much of this is is really happening and how much of it's maybe happening in your reactivity and and what's a really good healthy way for me to resolve this situation instead of whatever it was that i was about to do um so you were active then pretty much all the way through your life did you have the opportunity to to do that as you had your first second and third child or was that part of what shifted in what you were able to fit into your time and your schedule and you know your your family
2: i would say that i was just as active but i would say as a mom and i think a lot of moms will agree and especially after the pandemic it is hard to find a fitness area a fitness center that has childcare. so that became a priority Mm -hmm. for me i'm like if i have to get a second you know like a a job (laughs) if i have to go back to work (laughs) i'm going to figure this out so i did find a gym and they um take children when they are three months so that has been key to helping me to remain active
1: excellent yeah so then you you just figure it out it's like well how does how does this value fit with another value of still needing to care for my children and still needing a, a space for them and then this value of me needing to care for myself and needing to fit fitness into my life and Where do those two things meet? And how do I make it happen? Because there's always a solution, right? You're clearly very solution-driven. Yeah.
2: There is. Yes, I'm very solution-driven. So that's funny (laughs) that you've noticed that in this short time. So I feel like there's always a way to solve whatever is going on. And a gym might not be it, but the first step is the mental space to know that being active is very important, especially to being
1: a mom yeah I, maybe i i think sometimes there's an idea that if you're already tired that you don't have energy to do that but maybe part of the reason that you don't have energy to do that and you're tired is strangely enough because you're not active and that's actually kind of the way our body reacts to not being active as we we start to have less energy because your metabolism's lower and and, and actually often you're not sleeping as well. I think getting great sleep is massively important. Um, and if you're not active, sometimes we don't sleep as well because you're not, you're maybe exhausted at the end of the day, but you're not really physically tired. You're like mentally just run down, uh, but you're not really physically in the need for sleep. And then sometimes you don't sleep well because of that. I don't know. It's, it is a way of looking at all of these things fitting together into health and wellness
2: yes being a mother pretty much is the perfect incubator for exhaustion (laughs) i call it burnout before bedtime
1: i liked that quote yeah i like that a lot yeah um so you try to figure out how to alleviate burnout before bedtime
2: exactly
1: (laughs) and and successfully for you and and successfully for many other women too now so that's wonderful thank you for sharing all of that with everyone um we are going to take another quick break um but when we get back we're going to continue talking about kind of creating balance and boundaries and priorities in life and maybe some of the other skills and tools that you use in your practice every day because i think some of them are really um, great tools for people to be aware of and, and are kind of easy to access and, and really, really easy tools to use. So keep listening in and we'll be right back.
3: is a new exercise system developed from the latest in science and designed to help you feel your body in a whole new way. Offering free online videos, live online exercise classes, and wellness tips and ideas on social media. Move Ed has options to help everyone feel and move better. Check us out today and start your new journey into physical health. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Able
0: Active Moms. Have a question for Jeremy or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now back to the show
1: welcome back and thank you for listening in on this episode today we have Tamara Murphy with us the unnesting mom and we are talking today about um finding balance in life to fit everything in and trying to unpack what it means what everything means right what is the list of everything and and what how do we how do we make healthy priorities for ourselves and healthy commitments for ourselves um and a lot of that as we've been saying comes around to boundaries so um before we move on anything interesting else to say about boundaries because I think that's I don't know I don't think people create healthy boundaries for themselves that's all I'd say about that but I'm not the expert (laughs)
2: I think boundaries are interwoven into relationships. So the more intimate the relationship, the harder it is to set boundaries. So I would say the first thing is to prioritize what's important to yourself. From that list, what boundaries need to be created with whomever. So that could be parenting. A lot of times in parenting, you get a lot of advice, especially from your own parents. Um, but in looking back to the way that we were parented, perhaps we don't want to adopt all those things. (laughs) So we would have to make some firm, some firm boundaries that we kindly relay to our parents as our boundaries. So I would say the most important thing is to prioritize what will make us happy and whole, and then to set those boundaries and to be able to be sure to communicate those things as boundaries not a maybe but this just clearly setting the expectation with a boundary what we will and will not do
1: i can i can see what you would mean about the more uh, a more deep deep of a relationship you have with someone the easier it would be to fall into the trap of negotiating boundaries right like trying to empathize with someone else's situation and then trying to renegotiate what your boundaries are based on based on their needs or their boundaries and that's just that can't be the way we view things right because then again you're then then you're not a you're you're not this whole happy person that's able to show up for someone in the way you want either because that's what we all want we want to be able to show up for ourselves and show up for others um i think you also you have a lot of you you look at things in a really good full picture way for people, and you help them kind of break down this stuff in a full picture. And you have a lot of interesting uh, tools and skill sets. I like that. Um, what else do you What else do you use when you work with people?
2: Um, one of the main things that I use, I start off with anything that is evidence based, but it allows my clients to practice. There's a lot of tools that can be used. And I feel like if there's no practice, it's more like consulting. These are the things that you should do, but where's the opportunity? And I should have mentioned, I have a teacher background, so I kind of do like a backwards design. So when I'm planning out my individualized plans, it's with the end in mind. So I start by getting to know the person. There's only so much you can fill out on a form. And there's a lot of personality tests, but the one that resonates with my clients the most, that they feel very, quote unquote, seen as the Enneagram. So the Enneagram is a nine figure personality type. And what I like about it, opposed to other personality uh, assessments, is that it looks at the whole person and how they developed as a child. So for example, I'm an Enneagram 8. And an Enneagram 8 is kind of like your person of justice, your moral police. And I have found that if you talk to an eight, th- they probably did not feel like a child as a child. They are normally the firstborn, or they had a set of responsibilities. I had one client where for her, um, her birthday, she remembers not inviting really anyone but adults. <laughs> and she was doing that at like nine years old because she didn't feel like a kid. Um, the last example for an Enneagram I like to give is the seven. They're the enthusiasts. So they're the people with all the grand ideas. However, if they have not done the work to show up as their healthier selves, when they're more working on their targets, they will become the people who will ghost you, who will disappear. If it's they're the life of the party, but if life doesn't feel fun, then they don't know how to deal with it. So if I'm working with that client, then I have to first know how they address issues and how we're going to practice addressing issues in a better way so they can show up as a healthier version of themselves. So a lot of times, along with the Enneagram, I then go into something else evidence-based with practice like CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy.
1: I love that tool. Um, I try to get people to look into that quite a bit because these two things together just start to help you understand who you are and how you react to things right what your habits are in those w- on in those ways and start to break them down because um, that's what cognitive behavior therapy does right kind of shifts the way our relationship with our um our the way we perceive things or the way we react we react to things tools for that yeah
2: Um, I try to explain it uh, simply as the, the acronym. So the cognitive side, we are looking at the way that one thinks, the behavioral side, how those thoughts show up in our behavior, our habits, and our actions. And then the therapy side is the practice side where we get to focus on what do we focus on? Because a lot of times we focus on what feels the most uncomfortable which is negative and what we focus on grows.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and so how do we how do you shift the focus from something negative to fo- something more positive or realize how much this focusing on something negative is is having a large effect on your life. Um it's all actually very similar to the way I deal with people in in fitness cuz I'm mostly about health the movement and wellness rather than like weight training necessarily. And so it's about teaching people better habits and things they can take with them into life. And how do you change things through your life? Because people don't make changes in an hour with you. They make changes in the rest of their lives, right? Like you can't do something here in this hour that's just going to magically affect the rest of your life. You're got you to gotta go out and do the work.
2: Yes, the practice, they they have to report back. We normally focus on just a few items each week. And typically, I work with first-time clients about 12 weeks to 16 weeks, depending on which program we're using. And the practice is actually going out into your daily life and testing it out. I think for a lot of moms, the first thing they feel is exhaustion and being overwhelmed because they're doing everything. But it, the practice is... Well, for example, the thought might be, well, I don't have any help. There's no one who can help me. Well, what's the evidence of that? Typically, moms don't actually have their, that evidence. Uh, there are moms who do not have a healthy or a strong support system. But a lot of times, it's just really our perfectionism to act like we have it all together where we don't ask for help. So then the evidence is, well, who's in your tribe? So have you asked friends? Have you asked your parents? Uh, Do you have a sitter? Those type of things. And so with the cognitive behavioral therapy, each week, my clients are expected to go out into the world and then practice that skill set and then come back. And then we add on to that with another practice skill set each week. Yeah.
1: Wonderful. Like you said earlier, not being afraid to let go of things. So you have to reach out to other people for things if your excuse is I don't have any help. Are you really allowing other people to help are you really asking for other people's help Um, what are you not letting go of what do you need to unpack and let go of so that all of this is more available to you and then building on that what's our next lesson that we learn and what's our next lesson we learn and you offer um that skill set to mothers but also to people in business as well and also individuals in business and groups in business yes
2: yes it seems like all my projects that become businesses have been life experiences from within my home so my husband is a business owner and as he was trying to onboard staff and go through interviews he would get a long list of interviewees and he was trying to sort through they look good on paper so i'm like have you ever heard of the enneagram why don't you start to give these uh these potential hirees this test and see how they do. So what happened with his business is he started to realize if he used the personality test such as the Enneagram, and then we would review, the hiring process would be recorded. And, And so there were certain things that you could notice based on their personality type. It's not a reject or accept type of method, but it helps to show, to understand who you're hiring Mm -hmm. how they could potentially show up, and then the interview would help him to see if they sounded like they were the healthier version of themselves based on that personality type. And so that started going to other business owners within his field, and then my name got spread around, and I'm like, well, this sounds like a business. and So (laughs) that's how I started that. So I help business owners with first themselves, so how they can show up and their systems and processes better and then how they can hire onboard, and retain better talent that's
1: really brilliant I love that that's really fascinating um well done uh yeah I I I hope that's going well because I think that's a great resource for businesses and business owners It is, and
2: I like the evidence-based of it. So I am finding that the clients that I'm working with are having a better time at hiring and onboarding, and especially the training aspect of it. So if you know that someone's a perfectionist, then you know that they may deal with criticism not as well as someone else because Mm. they're harder on themselves. So that doesn't mean that I avoid critique but I know how to approach them better because I understand them and based on their personality type. So it just helps the work relationship.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's wonderful. Um, You have a lot of great resources out there. I mean, as I was going over your website and through your social um, there are a lot of just basic tools you have out there for everybody for kind of everyday, simple ideas and concepts um, that I hope people will make use of how can they reach out to you and find you? Where are you on the virtual world?
2: I've tried to make it easy. So I can be found on my website, which is Unnesting Mom. And I can be found under the same handle on IG, Facebook, very similar, The Unnesting Mom.
1: Wonderful. That is simple and straightforward. Um, So I hope everyone is a little bit inspired by this. I had one more note that we didn't um, get to talk about really, maybe for five seconds. Um, one word um, that showed up that I really like too, and I think it's important as, as we go through all of this, and that is maintaining gratitude. So um, I would like to say that I am grateful for this um, radio show in general, and I'm grateful for you being here with me today. So thank you.
2: Thank you very much. Gratitude is also something that grows the more that we practice it. And I am grateful for our time together as well.
1: Yeah, that was, I. it was really lovely. I um, enjoyed our talk. I I really felt like this was something that was important um, for people to, to share with people or for people to hear. Um, and so I'm glad you were able to join us. And because I think Again, I think you have a really uh, healthy and fresh uh, take on this and really built from a, a very strong, um, grounded place. So unfortunately, that is it for us today. Again, thank you for joining tomorrow And uh, next week, I will have on um, Caitlin with the National Patient Advocacy Foundation. And we will be talking about medical advocacy and patient and advocacy and self-care for people who are helping loved ones or family work their way through medical crises. So kind of a very different topic, but join in again next week. We'd love to have, love for you to listen in. Until then, have a happy and healthy week. Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of ABLE Active Moms. We hope the moms out there have learned something useful to help them with their own lives. Until we talk again, have a fantastic week.